This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio. All of our great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM80, ESPN app, and ESPNU. Hello, with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you. Two huge games yesterday in the NFL, above all. Buffalo's win against Kansas City, which, by the way, still has Buffalo at 7-6 and six in the 11 spot. Tony Romo on the CBS broadcast was talking about them potentially winning a Super Bowl, which, who knows, he sees into the future in the past. I don't know that, I don't know that it's going to happen this year, but great win by Buffalo. And then Dallas last night, Sunday night football, beating Philadelphia 33-13. The Eagles have been outscored in their last two games, 75-32. And Dak Prescott in his last eight games, 23 touchdowns, Two interceptions. So last night for you guys, which extreme is greater? How great the Cowboys were or how bad the Eagles were? I think how great the Cowboys were. That, that game was all about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Eagles didn't cover themselves in glory, but to me, the storyline today is Dak Prescott being the presumptive MVP. Right now, he's got the shortest odds of anybody to win MVP. He's at plus 160. Brock Purdy is the next closest at plus 225. And then third in line is Lamar Jackson at plus 700. So when you look at where Dak Prescott is and knowing the upcoming games they got against the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the Detroit Lions, this is a three-game stretch where Dak Prescott can cement his chances at being able to win the trophy. And when ESPN2 were showing the odds, Dak Prescott now plus 175. So he's going to win the MVP if he doesn't stumble down the stretch. But there's no reason to think that that's going to happen because of the confidence that we're seeing him play with. Absolutely. I think um, I'm the same, Evan. It was the extreme that I am putting more stock in is what we saw out of the Cowboys. And that's because the Dallas Cowboys have been a really good team for the past couple of years, but they haven't they have been able to get over that playoff hump. They're, Dak is 2-7 and seven in the postseason. We've seen those turnovers in the postseason. And we're seeing what looks to be a different version of him, a different version of this team. He's finding that gear. He and Mike McCarthy are in complete lockstep with one another. He's got the weapons. The defense is playing great. But for us to believe that it can be different for the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs this year, we need data points like the one that we got yesterday. Yeah, Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles, not happy, though, with his team's performance. They've had recent adversity, obviously. They lose the Niners the way they do. They lost the Cowboys last night the way they they did. And uh, Sirianni, not pleased with his team. Adversity can do a couple things to you. It can it can uh, break you, or it can it can make you way better. I know that everybody that's in that locker room has been through in their lives and um, has made it to this point. They've made it to this point because of the they've been through. That adversity has made a lot of us in that in that locker room where we are today. Yeah, I get it. But something's off with this team right now. I know we've had the conversations about Jalen Hurts' health. Right, Whether or not he's actually 100%, he is never going to let you know that he's not. He is as tough as they come in this league at any position. But, I mean, blowouts against the two contenders. There's a big three in the NFC, right? I mean, I think we've clearly seen the Lions have fallen off here. They lose to the Bears yesterday. The Cowboys are rising. The Niners are rising. And the Eagles, to me at least, even through their adversity over the last two games, still deserve the respect of... They still may have home field advantage. They still may end up in the Super Bowl. So there's a big three in my mind in the NFC. But I would say the Eagles are third in that big three right now. Well, here's the thing. If you were to tell the Eagles through week 14 before the season started that they would be 10-3 and and they would still be in first place in the division, I think everybody would sign up for that. But it's because of what it looks like, the way that they've dropped the last two games. And over the last three games, since their bye week, their defense has given up, what, 109 points? 
Like 109 points in the three games between the Buffalo Bills, the San Francisco 49ers, and last night against the Cowboys. That is completely unacceptable. And I think the problem that this team is running into is that the offense is still operating as if they have the same margin of error with the defense that they had a year ago, a defense that had over 70 sacks, a defense that was a little bit more athletic on the back end a year ago than they are now. I mean, you've got three secondary players that are in their age 30 or later season between James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and Kevin Byard. That's not a great place to be. They're old and unathletic on the back end. The the younger guy, Reed Blankenship, got hurt last night. They had to throw Sidney Brown in there, so that wasn't great. Uh, again, and then their offense turns the ball over three times. It's hard to survive when you're making those types of mistakes and when your offense is not taking advantage of opportunities in plus territory and, and scoring touchdowns as opposed to field goals, the Dallas Cowboys can get the game to tilt in their favor like they did in the first half. When they went up 24-6, to you knew that game was a wrap just because of how good that defense and that pass rush specifically is that Dallas is bringing to the party. Yeah, there's definitely issues on both side, sides of the ball for Philly, and I know that the panic meter with Eagles fans is probably going a little bit up today, but are we taking the schedule into account at all and what we're seeing from them? Because it's been a brutal stretch. They've had the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys again. That's a really rough stretch of football. Yeah, and it's three straight games where they're at a rest disadvantage. Remember, the Bills were coming off of a bye week. The 49ers were coming off of a Thanksgiving Day game. And then you're talking about the Cowboys playing a Thursday night game last week against the Seahawks. So it's three weeks where your opponent has had a rest advantage. So that matters, but to what degree? Because – We haven't seen a sharp Philadelphia team all season long. About the best that they've looked is the game against the Miami Dolphins or maybe the game at the link against the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. That's the best. And Jalen Hurts has talked about them not playing their best football. You're starting to wonder, when are we going to see it? And as I say this all the time when it comes to players individually, I'll say this and apply that logic to this team. If you have to keep asking the question, eventually you're going to land on the answer being no. And we're starting to come dangerously close to that point for the Philadelphia Eagles. Can I attempt a positive spin for Philly? Please. It's it's an attempt. If they would have won the last two games, more likely than not, the last month of the season and a bye week in the postseason would have them not playing important football for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And maybe they would have been a little lull. Now, as a result of those last two losses, you have to win out. You have to win out. You have the Seahawks on the road. Home against the Giants, home against the Cardinals, at the Giants. They should win all four of those. But they will likely have to win all four of those games to secure the bye, get the rest, and get the number one seed overall. The positive spin here is there's no time off until the actual time off. If they would have beaten the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys in back-to-back weeks, they would have been 12-1 and going into that final four-game stretch. And maybe it would have felt like, hey, it's been a long time since we played important football. That's an attempt at a positive spin. Not sure it worked, but it's an attempt. Yeah, I still think that the Eagles are in decent shape, but they've got to get some things figured out. Here's the deal. They've got uh, uh, the final four games against teams with losing records, and the toughest game is on the road against Seattle. We'll see what ends up happening with them this this coming week, week 15. But then you've got Giants, Cardinals, Giants. You you should be in decent shape. Like They should be able to get to 13, 14 wins. And if that's the case, then you're talking about them still having a chance at being the number one seed when you compare their schedule remaining 
to the schedules of the 49ers, who still have the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, on that schedule, and then the Dallas Cowboys, who still got the Bills, Dolphins, and Lions. So, again, it's not all bad for Philly, but they got to figure out an identity on the defensive side of the ball, and they got to clean up some of the mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. To me, one of the glaring issues that we're seeing on offense is the absence of Shane Steichen, their offensive coordinator. I mean, Brian Johnson, I don't know what kind of coordinator he'll grow into being, but there's clearly a drop-off between what he's done this year and what Steichen has done the previous two years, the first two years that Jalen Hurts has been the starter. They had a firm identity of who they wanted to be, and it centered around them running the football and the quarterback being a focal point in that regard. It doesn't feel like that this season for whatever reason. Even though Jalen Hurts is second among quarterbacks in rushing yards, it just doesn't feel like he is a a priority when it comes to that aspect of it. And without the threat of him running the football, this offense isn't nearly as dynamic. To me, it's it's just a big shot offense, and then it's Jalen Hurts makes something happen in between that. And, And it just doesn't feel like it's sustainable. And on top of that, or what compounds that problem, is that the defense isn't nearly as good as they were a year ago. All of that said, all of that true, and it's it's the penalty for being great, right? Like, you're great, you get to the Super Bowl, other teams are going to look at your coordinators and try to pick them off. All of that said, if you go through the schedules as we just kind of did, it seems logic would tell you the, the Eagles would go 4-0, the Niners would go 3-1, and and the Cowboys may go 2-2 and or 3-1. and It still feels like the Eagles are going to end up with the number one seed in the NFC. It still feels like we're there, but maybe they're way more beatable, obviously, than they've been previously. And I think that as we look at all of this, the Dallas Cowboys may not win the division, may not be the number one seed. But and I know you always say all the time, the last time that happened where an MVP came from a non-division winner, I want to say it was Adrian Peterson, if I'm yep. in 2012, maybe. Yep. Screw it this year. I'm sorry. Like if Dak's playing this way, and even if they don't win the division and they're one game back, you. He's the MVP. Yeah, Dak's the MVP. He's the MVP. Let me ask you a question. Sitting here today, are you more concerned about the Eagles or the Chiefs getting back to the conference championship game? Eagles. I'm Eagles. Go ahead. You start. The Chiefs. The Chiefs? I think they're unraveling. I think it's been a slow erosion all season. The offense is not the same offense that it's been with Patrick Mahomes. And we put so much on him to make magic happen because that's what we've seen of him his entire career. But even some things he can't overcome. And I think we're seeing that right now. Yeah, and I would say the Eagles, because of the fact that I that I just – it's still Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's still Patrick Mahomes. In those moments, I still expect him to figure it out. Even though he didn't yesterday, I get it. I still expect him to figure it but out. I, I, but, but figure it out to what end? Though? Like, there's got to be somebody on the receiving exactly. end of those passes. Again, he can't throw it and catch it. And those guys are showing that they can't catch it either. <laughs> so, like, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> I've said it as my, great as he is. My yeah. entire life doing radio, I've always said, wide receiver's most overrated position in the sport. I'd go wide receiverless at some point. Uh, you go ahead and tell two of that. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I can tell yeah, I mean, Patrick Ty, Mahomes. Ty, Tyreek Hill is going to win MVP. He could win MVP. I would That's go, how good Tyreek Hill why is. Do, why, do, why do the Chiefs have to play two and three wide receivers? Why can't they change it up a little bit? They have arguably the best tight end in football. Add more to that. Have more tight ends. I, I will say Put this. Jared I, McKinnon I, I, as a I wide agree receiver. with Smalls. I'm more worried about the Chiefs getting back to the conference championship game than the Eagles. I'm more worried. Just because at least with the Eagles, they have the personnel on offense. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. They have one of the best receivers in football. They have one of the best number two receivers in football. 
and they got Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel good about what the Eagles have in place more so than the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense used to be their saving grace in the first half of the season. The defense isn't looking that great either right now. By the way, I'm not anti-Philly. I'm just saying in the compare and contrast, I'd still go with Mahomes in that spot. And you didn't even mention your guy, Jalen Carter, scooping and scoring a touchdown no, yesterday. No, Easily. <laughs> Easily. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't really talk about those plays when they don't actually factor into but, the outcome. But he's feeling the ball like a shortstop at 330 pounds. He's amazing. What do you, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I'm hyping I call, him up. I called him the best player on the team. I'm yeah. trying to lead <laughs> him to the, the first, After great. the first month of the season. He's great. He's that good. <laughs> so what, at what point will you stop giving Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt this season when he loses in the playoffs okay. like I'll play the results okay. on that until, so you will until, always yeah. assume that they're going to get there until they don't correct yeah and I feel that the opposite way about Dallas I'm going to assume that they're not going to get there until they do wow yeah pass. as great as they're playing until they do it in the playoffs I'm going to have the muscle memory of Dak being two and four and so the tournament. none of this matters to you last night doesn't matter it's a data point that makes me feel better about them they're, they are capable of winning a Super Bowl. But when we get to the playoffs, are you guys going to pick them? Are you going to feel confident about uh, picking the one them? Thing that, the one thing that concerns me about Dallas, and it's nothing that I've actually seen on the field, I just wonder when it comes to how well they're playing, and for that matter, when it comes to how well San Francisco is playing, can those teams stay hot long enough to get to a Super Bowl? Mm. Like, like, are they peaking a little bit too early? Like, that's always a concern. Like, you have to hit it at the right time. And nobody is doubting that those are the three best teams in the conference. But I think clearly Dallas and San Francisco are playing at a higher level than Philly. I just wonder, are those teams playing at their peak a little bit too soon? Mm. Just throwing it out there. Which is why maybe these two losses for Philly could actually help them in the long run. Maybe, possibly. We will see. Kansas City complained last night in a way that we have never heard them complain. You will hear what we mean coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, ESPNU, presented by Progressive Insurance, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We do have to give the Bills credit for their win yesterday, 20-17. I'm probably in the minority on this, but everybody loving that Josh Allen plays. He's falling out of bounds. We just showed it on ESPNU and kind of flinging the ball, keeping the drive alive and everything like that. I hated it. <laughs> when you have a turnover-prone quarterback, the fact that he continuously thinks he can do things like that, yeah. I actually think it's a bad thing. I know that I may be in the minority on that one, but like he still makes plays that drive me nuts, and he's amazing. I get it. I get he's amazing, but he's also 
nine games in a row with an interception. I don't want to come off ragging on him today, but... (laughs) (laughs) But you will? (laughs) There's a mentality of a quarterback that has made a lot of mistakes, and if you're going to evolve and change, you need to look a little different. Russell Wilson looks different than he did previously. Sean Payton has basically taken that stuff out of him, and they're winning. Josh Allen, and maybe the Bills think, hey, this is the only way we can win if he's like that, but it's going to come back and bite you at some point, and it has previously. I know that's not necessarily the story today. I I still think even his good throws get get me nervous, to be honest with you. But the storyline from this game, of course, is the game-winning almost touchdown from (laughs) Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey laterals it back to Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney is offsides. And a penalty is called, and it ends the game, basically, ultimately, for the Chiefs. Before we hear the sound, CeCe, explain from an X's and O's what's supposed to happen, ref, uh, wide receiver, ref, defensive lineman in your case. Like, what is the communication like in that spot? Because we don't know what that's Well, like. the mechanics usually are when a player is in the neutral zone or they're offsides, the ref will tell you, hey, you need to get back. Whether it's the line judge, the umpire, there's going to be a ref in proximity that says, hey, you need to get back. You are offsides. And so for in that situation, without anybody in the receiving court for the Chiefs being warned throughout the game for the refs to throw the flag and to call that penalty, it just it just feels like a tough break for Kansas City. And I can understand the frustration because you never see that call. Now, we've seen several offsides penalties called on the offense throughout the year this season, but the overwhelming majority of them have been on the tush push or the brotherly shove. You don't usually see that when teams come out in a traditional offensive formation like we saw with the Chiefs on that particular play. So it's a bit of a head scratcher from my perspective. And if you look at it uh, from the Chiefs perspective, given the context of what happened last week and the non-pass interference call uh, at the end of the game where, where the Chiefs could have been set up with goal to go to win the game, I get the frustration coming out from Pat Mahomes. What's good for the goose should be good for the gander. If you're going to have a no call that goes against us a week ago in Lambeau, why don't we have a no call that goes in our favor this week against the Buffalo Bills? So you think that, or you're surprised, I guess, that the ref didn't warn Kadarius Tony? I'm surprised that the ref didn't warn Kadarius Tony. I'm surprised that the ref didn't pick up the flag. I'm surprised. Because Kadarius Tony wasn't the attendant receiver. So, I mean, I guess you could have, you, you, you'd never know if the guy is going to get the ball, so you throw the flag. But there, there was an opportunity to pick up the flag. How many flags did we see get picked up on Sunday Night Football with the Eagles Cowboys? Like they, yeah. they, did it, they did it on every single drive. So it's not as if the ref can't pick up the flag in that situation. Now, here's the deal it absolutely was a penalty. Right. And so the frustration shouldn't be directed toward the refs. I understand what Pat Mahomes is doing. He can't throw his teammate under the bus. He can't throw his head coach under the bus for having that guy out there in that situation. So he's throwing the refs under the bus. He's criticizing them, the low-hanging fruit, because of what happened in a primetime game the week before. I understand that. But the frustration that we saw from Pat Mahomes at the podium, on the sidelines, that was all geared toward his coaching staff and the guys in the locker room, specifically Kadarius Toney, because there's no way – that you should let the team down in that situation. That is a mental lapse. That is focus, Smalls. That, that's not even a forced error by the defense. That's you coming out of the huddle and lining up properly. That should not be hard. And yet Kadarius Tony doesn't do something fundamental to his position and it ends up costing the Chiefs an opportunity to win. You reference Mahomes' frustration. Let's take a listen to the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs postgame, how frustrated he was. 
tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, don't, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something and – all I can do is go out there and give everything I have, and I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough tough to swallow. Let us play, man. Like, let us play the game. And then whatever happens, happens. Like, the whole throwing the flag and deciding the game one or another, um, that, that, that's what hurts me. That's why, like, last week I didn't say anything because it's, it's letting us play, man. Let us, let us go out there and win the game. And I said I'd rather them let us play and go out there and, and see who wins. I mean, that's what you want as a competitor is you, you practice all week to go out there and try to win. And uh, you want it to be about the, your team and that team and see what happens. You never want it to be – you don't want to be talking about this stuff after the game. It's the call, man, just in that moment. I mean, it's, it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game and for it to, to happen on a flag change outcome of a game um, in that moment. I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had, that, never had offense all sides called. I mean, that's, the, we, that's elementary school. We, we talk about, I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and, and it doesn't get called. And if it does, you, they warn you. And there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's, it's tough, man. It, it, I mean, it's lost for words, man. It's just it's tough because regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, it to end with another game and it, we're talking about the refs, man, it's just not what we want for the, for the NFL and for football. Very surprising for Mahomes. Normally he's not like that. The whole mentality of like, yo, that was cool. You should have let it count. Like, what? Like that's like a Mark McGuire hitting a five, Barry Bonds hitting a 500 foot home run, but it goes foul. And be like, but it was 500 feet. You should count it as a home run. It was what? sick. It was oh, it was dope. What, what are we talking about? Also, if, it, if this, because it was cool, we should, if like, this call it was a cool play though. I'm not saying it was it a was very a cool play. play. Was that was an awesome play. play. Awesome play. Draft Kelsey. Awesome. Right. Awesome. No, I'm, we're not going to deny that. Not at all. But if this was Buffalo, if it was the exact same call, exact same play on the Bills, and they lost the game, would Mahomes be banging the podium saying, "We hate this for the NFL. We should be able to go out there and compete"? No, of course not. Of course not. So it's really not about the game and the integrity of the game and the call. It's because you were on the receiving end of it and you've lost four or six and you're sick of your wide receivers being a reason why you lose the game you're frustrated well smalls they got screwed last week now like we were like objectively everybody can look at that call at the end of the packers game and said that should have been defensive pass interference yeah the comments last night should have applied to last week and and the refs didn't make the call but he didn't bring it up last week i know to his credit now he's bringing it back because again what's good for the goose should be good for the gander like we're on the losing side of a non-call last week why are we on the losing side of a call that you made this week that could have just as easily been a non-call? Like, that's the part that's hard to square. But again, I think his frustration is overwhelmingly with Andy Reid for allowing Kadarius Tony to be in the game in that situation because he's shown us over and over again that the lapses in focus could cost your team at the most inopportune moments. Coming up, we will have all the small things. But first, CeCe has this from Granger. Oh, yes, for the ones who get it done, like Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is time for all the small things here on Unsportsmanlike. Alongside Evan Cohen, I'm Michelle Smallman. Chris Canty is over on Get Up apologizing to Dallas Cowboys fans. It's kind of Canty's apology tour today for Dallas Cowboys fans, no? Uh, yeah, he got it wrong. <laughs> he got it wrong. But he's setting it up to get it right because he's now putting the extra expectations on them to win it all, basically. Absolutely. So, I get, I've done it. You've done it. We all know what's going on there. Well, we've all done it. But before we get to some small things, some observations I have over the weekend in sports and in life, I have a life observation for you today. Mm. We have one Yeah, big... my jacket is cool. Thanks. I will say that is a cool jacket. <laughs> Lou, our outstanding makeup artist, first thing she said today, Evan, love the beige. Mm, That's what she same. said. So shouts okay. to Evan on the jacket. But we do have one big, exciting thing that's happening to the show that we haven't discussed yet, and I want to bring it up here. Yeah. We're going on the road. Yes. We are going to West Palm next week. They're opening a brand new studio. Our friends at ESPN West Palm and our friends at Celsius are helping us make the trip. We have you, me, and Nuno going. Canty's on vacation, so he will not be joining us, unfortunately. But we haven't had a, a travel situation yet with the team. And you always learn a lot about your co-hosts and, and your teammates when you guys travel together. So I'm going to be interested to see how you and Nuno react when we are actually outside of the walls of ESPN. Well, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'm very much looking forward to it. We're going to be in Palm Beach County. We're going to be all over the events going on at Palm Beach County. The Berkey Bash, the Boca Bowl, yep. uh, the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl that's on ESPN. It's going to be awesome next week. We're very much excited about it. Celsius this is an amazing job a really difficult thing for you considering every single day you're drinking your celsius anyway yeah so now you're with the celsius brand going to florida where celsius Dream. is dominant everywhere yeah. i mean just an amazing setup for all of us and we're very much looking forward to it and smalls is now speculating that nuno <laughs> if we can get nuno on camera you are picturing nuno in the hawaiian shirt right is that what we're doing here well, we're going to florida so yeah. i asked nuno are you packing a lot of hawaiian shirts i'm picturing like a tony soprano button down kind of like a bowling shirt with tommy bahama print is that what we're going for nuno <laughs> uh, just for you i might have to do that oh, i think my i might God. have to break that out 
Okay. Are we doing flip flops, cargo shorts? Yeah, like, what's so, the whole vibe? So oh, Nuno definitely wears cargo shorts. <laughs> He's <laughs> no, definitely a cargo no short cargo guy. No cargo shorts. No cargo shorts. He's wearing cargo shorts and Tevas. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying, I do. I, I'm planning on scheduling a Manny Petty this week. Never done that, but I'm like, I feel like this would be the perfect week to do that as we head to Florida. Make sure everything is good. I Why? Love that. Wait. So you've love never that. had a Manny Petty. I haven't either. But oh. you've never had a Manny Petty, and now you're going to have one. Yeah, might as well take care of myself. Listen, it's it's the holiday season. You got <laughs> the you got to start with yourself before you take care of others. That's right. Treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. So I felt like, hey, you know what? Might as well treat myself. I give Nuno credit. I have no like actual real internal self confidence. Like I may come off like I do, but I really have no internal self confidence. Nuno has a level of self confidence that I truly think he believes he's like Brad Pitt. He's like, I got to get the Manny Petty because everybody's going to be staring at Nuno's nails this week in Florida. No, I love this because he knows that we're going down there representing unsportsmanlike and he quite literally wants to put his best foot forward. Right, Nuno? Exactly. Thank. I'm glad someone on this show gets me. Uh, but I will need to know when the Manny Petty is, and I want a captain's log afterwards, okay? I need to find out how this went for you. Will do. All By right, the way, okay. I should also say, Nuno, not staying at the same hotel as we are. Oh, well, I mean, of course not. <laughs> well, he's going to come over every day. We're going uh, to do our that, show planning I don't know by that he the can pool. Get in. I don't know that he can get in. Just saying. Well, I've already told him we're going to do our show planning by the pool. There okay. may or may not be a cocktail involved because we do have a 4 o'clock meeting. So 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, it's cocktail hour, <laughs> however we want to slice it. Okay, can we get to some sports observations quickly from the weekend? I... Cannot handle one more starting quarterback injury, you guys. We had uh, Geno Smith not starting yesterday because of a groin injury. Drew Locke in place for him in Seattle. We had Justin Herbert with the finger. We had, unfortunately, C.J. Stroud with the hit, and he's in concussion uh, protocol. What is in the water this season when it's coming to starting quarterback injuries? I can't take one more. And we also had Trevor Lawrence playing through an injury That's yesterday right, with a high ankle sprain. But yeah, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of quarterbacks that you're just like, wait, who? Easton Stick? Then Josh Dobbs is not you know hurt, but he gets benched yesterday for Nick Mullins. Yeah, the quarterbacks, obviously disastrous. But it just feels like this season more than any other season. And it's it's a tough watch sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I know that we're seeing guys like Jake Browning step up for the Bengals. And we've seen backup court Zach Wilson with a win over the weekend. At times, it's it's been surprising. But just from a, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch these two quarterbacks this weekend standpoint, it's been a rough watch. Agreed. It's Absolutely been a agree. rough watch. You know who it hasn't been a rough watch for? Jaden Daniels. What an outstanding season for Jaden Daniels, a quarterback from LSU. He wins the Heisman over the weekend. It was the closest Heisman vote since 2018 between he and Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. Jaden Daniels finishing with 503 first-place votes. Michael Penix Jr., 292. But Jaden Daniels... Shout out to him for winning the Heisman. I'm wondering, Evan, if this it changes at all uh, the way you're viewing these quarterbacks. No, I think right now it's still Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, but I think Jaden Daniels may have a chance to play his way into that top two because Drake May did not have a good season this year and for his standards, and obviously Jaden Daniels totally exceeded expectations coming as a transfer from Arizona State. I know my buddy Matt Barry, Sports Center, probably who we're going to see, I believe, in Florida, FYI, oh, so he will be with us. Love Matt um, Barry. He's not happy about that because he's an Arizona State guy and he lost his quarterback to um, to LSU. 
Next oh, one. Next one. Bronny James coming back, making his USC debut. You remember on July 24th, he suffered cardiac arrest at practice at USC. So to see him be able to come in the game yesterday, LeBron, the entire family there to support him. Just a great story to have Bronny James back playing basketball with USC. Tickets were like out of control in terms of the prices there. I did think it was interesting, and I kind of get it, but I wonder if we're going to see anything different during the course of the year. When the James family was sitting courtside, Bronny's mom... And his sister were all decked out in USC gear. LeBron was just wearing the Nike gear. Is LeBron so shrewd that he's like, I can't endorse USC because you can't get me for free? Mm, Maybe. I'm just saying, did anyone else notice that he wasn't wearing USC gear? We know he's rooting for USC. Yeah, of course. But LeBron James wearing USC gear... If I'm USC, I'm taking that. I'm capturing it. It's everywhere because now I have him endorsing my product, so to speak. So I just, I don't know, maybe a weird observation for me on that one. I didn't even think about that, but you're probably right. He He's... He's calculated in his moves. He's shrewd, yes, in his business dealings. So maybe that is it. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. Where's the life observation? I'm waiting for us to get to that one. Okay, here it is. Good. Went out to dinner Saturday night. Have you guys ever had a butter candle? Um, I saw that on your Instagram, M. Smallman, right? Yes, at M. Smallman on at Instagram. At Epco Radio. Wait. I just started it. Pause. I'm sorry. Did you say butter candle? Yeah. I did. I just wanted to clarify. I need to break this down for you guys because this is an absolute game changer. It's brilliant. This is a disruptor like a Facebook, an Uber, an Airbnb. This is a disruptor to the butter market. (laughs) It is a disruptor to the butter market, to the appetizer market. It's absolutely amazing. So it's a stick of butter. It has the wick in it. They light the butter or the light, excuse me, light the candle and it melts the butter and it, it, goes down and it extinguishes just as the butter is getting soft. And then you spread it on the bread. Outstanding. Best bread and butter situation I have ever had. Butter candles changing the game. Did did it melt like lobster butter kind of thing? So the bottom of it started to melt a little bit, but that's when the flame would extinguish, and then you get the knife in there and you go for it. And what do you do with the actual candle? You just blow it out and then put it to the no, side? like the wick is so small that it extinguishes itself. It's like a self-timer of a wick. It was amazing. But isn't it all wax? No, it's not wax. It's butter. Oh, the candles. The candle is oh, butter. I didn't, I, okay, I did not pick up on butter. that part. That's actually amazing. Pat, you're not into that? It was outstanding. Javante and I agree that that sounds completely unnecessary. Sounds like it takes too long. Yeah, I mean, who... Why? Like, (laughs) what's what's the point? You sit down and the butter is rock hard. You know, you gotta get your knife in it. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. When you have the good... I had the best butter of my life on Saturday night. I swear to God. (laughs) So did I. I went to a restaurant in the city. Where'd you go? Can you tell me? Or I we... can tell you off the okay, air. Okay, okay. You know, I'm not getting a free pub. Oh, all right, LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not wearing USC either. It was The butter was so good that a friend of mine who I was with started scooping the butter without a bread. I'm not kidding. At some Wait, point, that's so there, was three of, there was three of us Just at the dinner. Eating butter? Eating butter? Yes, there was three Ew. of us at the dinner. That's too I look far. over and I'm like, are, are you eating the butter? with? There was no bread left. He said, yeah. I, I mean... Listen, that's gross, but how many times you at a restaurant do you have great sauce, like a dipping sauce for something? Like if I ever get like the Thai peanut sauce, I love that, and yeah. there's no chicken or anything like that, I'll start eating the Thai peanut sauce with nothing. Really? You're grossed out by that? Well, uh, Italians, we do scarpetta. You take the bread. You always have bread on hand to scrape up the sauce I know, with. but when you're out of bread. Like, okay, same thing with the tomato sauce. You just ask for more bread. 
Yeah, I don't know, but if you're, but if it's for the um, like chicken on a stick thing, the chicken oh, satay or whatever, yeah, like the sauce is unbelievable. I'll scoop up the tomato sauce like it's soup. Right, but you were at a restaurant where there was definitely more bread that could be made. No, it was one of those you. things you had to pay for the bread. Was it like four dollars? No, it was like a twelve dollar bread. Twelve. It was like a corn. Bread. It was like a cornbread kind of thing. But I'm telling you, this butter was. So you're telling me both of us on Saturday night went to dinner separately yes. and had butter experiences. This was the best butter situation I've I had a better butter life. situation. I'm There's telling no you. There's no way. Mine was a cran- cranberry orange zest butter. No, that I'm was out. In a cranberry candle. and butter? It was amazing. Amazing. You're wrong. You're and it was in the form of a candle. That part is cool. When you had the cranberry, I'm out on that. Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Coming up. The Ravens had a moment yesterday. What does it mean? We'll get to it next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The Ravens beat the Rams yesterday, 37-31 in overtime. Let's on go! walk-off walk <laughs> punt return touchdown by Tyler Wallace, 76 yards. Previously, Lamar Jackson had a... Beautiful touchdown pass on a third and 17. And there are games throughout the year in all sports where you look at games and you say, let's remember this one. That may tell us something. Yesterday to me felt like one of these games that if the Baltimore Ravens make a big run, we're going to look back on it and say that may have been that moment game. That moment where you look at and say, by the way, similar to the Cowboys yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe similar to the Bills yesterday. Who knows? But the the Baltimore Ravens at 10-3, and three, beating the Rams, who are unbelievably competitive, even though their record is 6-7. and seven. In overtime, that way, on a walk-off after the Lamar touchdown, it's one of those games, to me, you circle retroactively. Yeah, December showers brings eight flowers. Shout out to Chris <laughs> Berman and uh, the NFL primetime crew. But, I mean, that was probably the most impressive part of how they did what they did in that comeback against the Rams yesterday. Lamar Jackson was sharing the wealth. 
And we made so much of the absence from Mark Andrews. Remember that Chargers game where you're talking about four takeaways from the Ravens defense only resulted in three points? Well, it seems like they got that part of it figured out in terms of the distribution of touches in the passing game because Odell scored a touchdown, Isaiah likely caught a touchdown, and then, of course, Zay Flowers with the go-ahead touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter and the two-point conversion for good measure. Like, to me, Lamar Jackson having options in his receiving core is what takes this team to a different level than in past years because now they can play that game where we can come back from behind. Remember, the Ravens had, you know, one unique path in order to winning games, which is dominate time of possession with their running game, play with the lead. Now, you don't get worried about the Ravens having to come back from a deficit in a ball game just because of how good Lamar Jackson has shown himself to be in Todd Munkin's scheme throwing the football, and now they actually have weapons on the outside for him to get the football to. Earlier you said that you would be shocked if the Dallas Cowboys weren't in the championship round of the playoffs, right? Correct. I feel the same way about the Baltimore Ravens. They, to me, are the class of the AFC. Who's the biggest competition for the Ravens in the AFC right now? On paper, it's the Dolphins. I still am not writing off the Chiefs. I can't can't go with the Chiefs. But do you really think either one of those teams are on the same level right now as the Baltimore Ravens? No. no. I'll tell you a team that looked good yesterday. I I would say say maybe Cleveland. I would say Cleveland with Joe Flacco. Listen, we say what yeah, we want. Cleveland with say. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco had over 200 yards passing in the first he's half of that game. He's like He's guy. giving them competent quarterback sure. play. We know they can run the ball, and we know that defense can be lights out when, when, they're, when they're locked in. So I would say it's the Cleveland Browns right now. The Jags look shaky. Yep. The Chiefs damn sure look shaky. Yep. And for whatever reason, I'm not buying into Miami right now. And I should be, yeah. but I'm just not. I, and I understand all parts. Go ahead. Sorry. But even with Joe Flacco and the way Cleveland's playing, would you put them on the same tier as the Baltimore Ravens? Because I, w- I wouldn't. I watched that. In, so I did my, – my Sunday setup is one screen on one game and one screen on the red zone, right? And the game that early game for me was Cleveland and Jacksonville. My son's a Jaguars fan, so we were all over watching that. I was really impressed with Kevin Stefanski yesterday. There were, I know you've been critical of him, as has, have people on ESPN Cleveland. Like, so you're not alone on that. Like, Cleveland has been critical of Kevin Stefanski. I think yesterday there were times, fourth down calls, getting in the opposition, in this case the Jaguars, to jump on a punt where they I mean, totally undisciplined by the Jaguars. The Jaguars, not to get too technical, a horrible tackling team. I couldn't believe how many times they had first contact and could not wrap up. But the Browns did a lot of things yesterday that impressed me. That if you told me that the Browns were the biggest threat to the Ravens, I believe that with the way that they've been playing. And they have found now that now Joe Flacco is their guy. They named him the full-time starter for the rest of the season. Which, yet again. They've, they've won games with, with four different quarterbacks this so year. Impressive. And four this is the guy that's looked the best outside of one half from Watson, which is just yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. And it, it, it takes me back again to the Jets. Joe Flacco was on your team last year. You didn't want him this year. You Aaron Rodgers goes down. You want to ride Zach Wilson outside of yesterday. Terrible decision. Flacco looks great. Yeah. Under the circumstances, looks great. I'm not yeah. saying he's, you know, Dak Prescott, but he looks great. So I think that, yeah, I think if you want to say Cleveland, the top five in the AFC are really interesting. Baltimore won. Miami, okay, you're not in on yet. Kansas City, you're, you're questioning. Jacksonville have every right to question. Cleveland kind of in on. I guess this kind of takes you to where Romo went yesterday during the CBS broadcast of maybe the Bills could be contenders. But again, we're talking about an they don't 11 have, seed. They don't have a lot of tiebreakers. Like, they don't have any tiebreakers right. in the AFC. So they've got to have an outright better record, and I just don't see that happening with their remaining schedule. I just don't. So I'm I'm ruling out Buffalo, even though they had a totally great win yesterday. Like, to me, th- this is all about 
the you know the the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Colts, the Texans, the Denver Broncos, and the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe, maybe. But all of those teams are going to have something to say about those last two wild cards in the AFC. You got six teams right there with seven and six records that are vying for the last two wild cards in the AFC. So tiebreakers are going to matter in this situation, and that means overall conference record and head-to-head situation. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But to Smalls' point, the Baltimore Ravens do feel like the class of the conference. I heard a stat last night from Booger McFarlane I just couldn't believe. The Baltimore Ravens, in every single game, has had a lead inside the final two minutes of the game. Wow. In every single game inside of the final two minutes have had a lead. And I bring this up as a good thing off of what you just said. (laughs) It's unbelievable. unbelievable. Has there been a single Monday that we have come in here where the Ravens were the top story? And I'm saying that as a good thing. They have they're quiet in the way in which they're winning, and they're always well, the only Sunday I remember is the Ravens were a footnote to the greatness of Deshaun Watson in a second half performance at M&T Bank Stadium. That is the only time I can remember us coming in and leading with the Ravens. But which it I really think it's was, a good thing. But, but it wasn't about the Ravens; it was about the Browns. Right. Correct, correct. Right. But I think that that is a good thing as well. And I think part of the reason why they haven't been the headline is because they've just been handling their business. They're unproblematic. And everything else in the AFC has fallen apart around them. It really feels like everything is aligning for the Baltimore Ravens. We, before the season, talked about the AFC and what a gauntlet it was going to be. And because of injuries and teams not performing up to the level of expectations, it feels like the path is really opening up for the Baltimore Ravens to march right towards the Super Bowl. You know what? Somebody that doesn't get the same kind of pub as a Micah Parsons or a Miles Garrett or a Deron Bland, but should absolutely be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, Roquan Smith. Mm -hmm. Roquan Smith is an absolute animal, a tackling machine that has transformed that defense since they traded for him last year. The Baltimore Ravens are the second-ranked total defense and the second-ranked scoring defense. Like, to me, they're one of the two best defenses in all of football, and they might not be two. That's how good, how dominant this Ravens defense is, which again leads to the kind of versatility that this team has in terms of different ways they can win football games. The Ravens, they're one of those teams that can give it to you any way you want it, Smalls. They can play any kind of game that the other team wants to play and come out on the winning side. If they want it to be a shootout like yesterday, they can do that. If it's going to be a low-scoring slog, they can do that. They can run the football. They can throw the football. That type of versatility gives you a good chance once we get to single elimination style football. And that's why we should believe in the Baltimore Ravens as being a team that could be the front runner to come out of the conference. We all have talked all year long about the possibility of a Super Bowl rematch between Kansas City and Philadelphia. Maybe we will have a Super Bowl rematch between Baltimore and San Francisco because that's where it seems to be heading right now. We're on Sportsman Mike. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.